great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you being empowered with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. I read something with great alarm recently, which was posted by The Motley Fool. If you're not familiar with The Motley Fool, started as an effort of two brothers to educate people, particularly younger people, about strategies, about building financial security and investing and doing it so in a very approachable way. Now they've got a big organization teaching people the fundamentals and strategies of investing. And so I really appreciate their outlook, their information, and their guidance that they give to people and was stunned in a recent Motley Fool post to see that 53% of Americans who are saving for retirement are saving the money that they're saving for retirement in a savings account. A savings account. So, come on. That is not going to get it done. I know there are people who are intimidated or bored by or don't really understand uh, some of the fundamentals of investing. And putting money in a bank savings account or a credit union savings account probably feels really safe. And I hear from so many people saving for retirement, they're always afraid they're going to lose money if they quote-unquote invest. But the reality is, when you take money you're putting aside for retirement and you open an IRA at a bank or a credit union and put it in their savings accounts or CDs, you are demolishing what that account can do for you because you're not going to earn near enough in that savings account to even keep up with what inflation does to erode a dollar. On the other hand, when you invest money for retirement with one of the low-cost investment houses you hear me talk about, you yeah, you could lose money in a particular year, but you're not investing for that year. You're investing for the long term. And you may have heard me, maybe not, talk about the concept of dollar-cost averaging, that it, when you're saving over a number of years for retirement, down years in the stock market, when you continue to contribute through your paycheck or you contribute monthly to a 401k or to your own IRA, I prefer the Roth. Anyway, when you're doing that, when the market's down, it actually can end up making you more money later on than if the market never goes through declines. Because every time the market goes through a down cycle, every time you contribute, you're Dollars are buying more shares in whatever fund your money's going into. And I know that investing, people in the investing business want you to be confused. They want you to feel like you need them to help you. And generally, you don't. It's a lot simpler to get going than you realize. And one of the easiest ways to do it is to go in what's known as a target retirement fund, where all you got to do is put the money aside in the IRA or the employer 401k, and then the investment mix in that target retirement fund 
changes through the year. So you pick a year closest to when you're going to retire, or you intend to, and then over the decades, the mix of what the money's put into shifts to the level of risk appropriate for how close you are to retirement. It's really simple. And you can open a lot of retirement accounts now with $1. Others maybe with $100. You don't have to be someone rolling in money to develop habits of building up a supply of money where one day you will be rolling in money. But when you should open an IRA with a bank or credit union is never, never, not ever. You want to do this with an investment house. And I know my investment guide is really simple, but it's for people who really you're not into it. It's not your thing. And people in the past have intimidated you about investing. I want you to take charge. I want you to take control and build a solid level of financial security for you today and in your future towards retirement. It's time for your questions. You posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate. Kim, you're up. All right. This is from Sergey in Illinois. He says, three weeks ago, my employer's HR department made me aware that someone filed for unemployment on my behalf. They are, of course, treating it as fraudulent and suggested that I contact my state's Department of Employment Security and notify them of the same. I tried, but I haven't been able to get in touch with them. I was placed in a queue for a callback, which has yet to come. In the meantime, I went ahead and froze my credit with all three agencies, and I also already had a Credit Karma account, and I see no suspicious activity thus far. Is there anything else that I should be doing to keep my identity safer? Uh, What a wonderful question. There's been a lot of coronavirus-related fraud. You know, uh, state unemployment insurance offices were and still remain totally overwhelmed by the massive wave of unemployment that, by best guesstimates, 50 million-plus of us at some point or another have faced unemployment this year because of the coronavirus pandemic. And so with the systems being overwhelmed and not enough people to process, there were uh, crooks, con artists, who were able to file for unemployment falsely and do it as if they were other people as well. Now, there's also a more innocent possibility, and that is that there's been a clerical error that shows you as having applied for unemployment, and it's because of a key-in error of information on someone who legitimately filed. You won't know what the real circumstance is until and unless someone with your state unemployment insurance program, your state labor department, actually responds to you. And uh, I would go ahead, just so you're on record, and I know this sounds so like I'm going back to 1980 or something, I would write a letter and send a letter to the... uh, State Department of Unemployment Compensation or Unemployment Insurance, whatever it's called in your state, informing them that there appears to have been fraud with somebody applying for unemployment as if they were you. Just so you're on record officially with having come forward if you don't get a timely call back. 
And if a couple of weeks go by, call again, call again, call again until you can reach somebody with your state. Joel? Clark Andrew in Wisconsin says, I'm a general contractor and a long-term client of mine offered to sell me two duplexes that are fully occupied. I'm familiar with both the properties and the tenants, but I only have cash to buy one at a time. He's willing to take $95,000 each. Property A gets a higher ROI than property B, but property B has immediate equity of $35,000, while property A has equity of only about $15,000. So if I plan to own these for the long term, what factors into the decision more, the ROI or the ROE of these rental properties? Keep in mind, my plan would be to use the profits to make further purchases in the future. Which of these helps me more? Uh, well, so if the goal is to buy both of them eventually, I I don't even worry. I mean, you have done the number crunching, and obviously this is going to be a good long-term play with you. As a general contractor, it's going to be a lot easier for you over the years as properties need repairs or maintenance. You're going to be able to do that at lower cost than if you were just a regular real estate investor like I am, where I have to hire uh, people to do the work. You know who to hire for things you can't do yourself, and a lot of it you will be able to do yourself. The math sounds really favorable to you as long-term on both of these, and so I don't have a preference in how you would make this decision. And this is one of those times that is... uh, you can afford to complete the purchase of both, get them both under your belt, and I think you're going to be in great shape. And it's really neat that this individual is willing to be patient with you and agree in advance to a price for each property. The other thing you could ask is whether the individual selling would finance the small portion that you need to finance or you, you can't afford to buy right now to get you to the finish line of owning and operating uh, both of these properties. Kim? Clark, this is a warning from Lori in Georgia. And Lori says, I recently had a phone call from a toll-free number claiming to be my power company. It was a recording telling me that my power was going to be cut off in 30 minutes due to non-payment. I was confused as the power company debits my checking account every month. In a panicked state, I followed the call's direction and called the number they gave me to make a payment. A lady answered and claimed to be from the power company. As I was talking to her, I pulled up my bank statement and verified payment had gone through every month without a problem. She took, the, she took down the amount that I paid over the last three months and my payment confirmation numbers. She then said... It will take 48 to 72 hours to verify this payment, so you still need to make the payment to avoid having your power turned off in minutes. If they find out they're wrong, they'll go ahead and refund you the money. I lost it with her, and I hung up. I I then logged on to my power company's website and confirmed that I had a zero balance and all was fine. Clark, this seems so real i almost fell for it please share with your listeners and i thank you very much kim for the dramatic way you told the story oh thank you that was wonderful so this thing with the power companies and the gas companies has been circulating in different metros for years 
And you'll see a lot of times on a bill from your power company or if you have a natural gas service from them to make you aware that this is what's known as a pretext scam. And it's been very, very effective for the criminals stealing money when you're told, hey, you got to act right now. You're not going to have power anymore. And unfortunately, my TV work, I've done a number of stories where I've interviewed people who weren't as lucky as you were who ended up giving money to the crooks. So know that this is a common scam. I appreciate for you bringing it up here with with us. And somebody calls you and says that your power is about to be shut off, hang up the phone. Dwayne is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Dwayne, you're on a quest to buy a home. Is that right? Yes, it's right. My wife and I have to move to northern Wisconsin. And we're looking for a house. Where in northern um, Wisconsin are you going? Are you going to Fox Cities or where are you headed? Actually, we're going to Rhinelander. Are you? Now, yep. you know Rhinelander gets really, really cold and windy in the winter. Are you ready for that? Absolutely. I'm, I'm from, uh, from north, uh, central Wisconsin originally, so I'm, I know what we're talking about. So my wife's an actress, and uh, she used to do uh, commercials four weeks a year for a furniture chain in the northern Midwest. And okay. Rhinelander was one of the cities she'd go to. And in wintertime, she just was traumatized by how cold it got. <laughs> We're used to it, so that's okay. Well, she she still talks about it. When we have a cold snap, she says, well, there's nothing like being in Rhinelander. <laughs> so <laughs> get ready. <laughs> you betcha. Well, uh, how can I be of help as you uh, move to northern Wisconsin? Well, we're we're looking for a house, and um, we've run into a couple of situations where um, we were thinking about bidding on a house. We haven't bid on anything yet, but um, some of the properties had legal looked like legal problems with Ooh. one of the properties having a neighbor who had a shed that was halfway over the property line, and um, we kind of want to stay away from that and you know buy something that doesn't look like it's encumbered with any of those legal problems. So we're thinking, do we need a lawyer when we start the process of making a bid? and Or do we need one when we do the closing? Or do we not need one at all? all right, a great series of questions. All right. So when you say bidding on a home, do you mean one that's listed with a traditional real estate agent's listing and you're going and you're uh, making an offer on those? Or are you talking exactly. about some form of auction or bid? No, we're just uh, you know making an offer from a real estate agent. Okay, so having representation of your own agent who is representing you um, in the transaction is really important. And because you saw this experience before with the property line issue, that mm -hmm. will come clear with a survey that is done of the property. And, it, and whether or not... That would be something that would spoil a deal that a lender would say, hey, we're not going to lend on this because there's something like it. I would tell you most of the time you're not going to find an odd circumstance like that. And you can't protect yourself against every eventuality or possibility. So mm -hmm. I would say don't take too much lesson from what happened that time with the, with the structure being across a property line. So okay. I would 
I would feel comfortable with you using the services of a real estate agent and just telling him or her, this is something you're gun shy about in the home buying process because of what happened before. And they'll do what they can to make sure you're aware if there is a problem like that. Okay. So I don't need to really get an attorney and during the real estate process unless there is an issue. Generally, generally you will have an attorney who you pay who represents the lender at the closing. And if you were doing a, a very complicated transaction, having a real estate attorney represent you, or if you're buying a for sale by owner, always have a real estate lawyer involved negotiating on your behalf. But otherwise, I think that that would be unnecessary overkill. And I hope you enjoy winter in Rhinelander. So glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. There's a shift happening in one of the most important sectors of worldwide economic activity that is slipping up on a lot of us in the United States. And it is the transition to electric vehicles for industry and for consumers and also automated vehicles. Automation that will uh, drive the vehicle for you, whatever kind of vehicle. And a lot of people focus on where these technologies are specifically affecting consumers. You know, is anybody going to buy this electric vehicle or that one? Nobody's going to buy that, right? That's what people say. But the, the big thing is where these changes are going to affect industry. Think about the danger from tractor-trailer trucks being on the road and those drivers being on the road hour after hour after hour and the danger that fatigue sets in and you have this huge 53-foot trailer with a tractor in front and the weight of it, it can be an absolute disaster if that leads to an accident. I will say, as many truck drivers have pointed out, many times the danger comes from the people in regular vehicles who are cutting in and out of traffic and driving crazy, and I'm sure that's true. But think about the change coming as the nation's trucking fleet electrifies and automates the driving. And we are going to see that happen so much over the next few years. Uh, Delivery vehicles in metro areas absolutely are going electrified. If you've seen that commercial from Amazon where they go on and on about how they're electrifying their trucking fleet. They're not doing it feel good. They're doing it because it saves them money. You know that everything Amazon does is about them and saving them money. So uh, the transformation is coming in every sector of transportation. In Europe and in parts of Asia, electric vehicles are selling in massive numbers. In the United States, except for Tesla, electric vehicles are not having much impact yet. But the economics are changing, and no doubt that electric vehicles 
are going to dominate what you and I buy and drive in just the next few years is they're going to be at price parity and then ultimately be much cheaper than buying and owning a gas engine vehicle in this decade. Um, you know, for um, not Ford, Cadillac, which is owned by General Motors, has gone to its dealers and said, here's the deal. We're electrifying the fleet. It's going to change your economics. These are the things you have to do. And if you don't want to be part of it, fine. We'll pay you money to go away. And a huge number of Cadillac dealers said, we can't handle this conversion to electric. We're out of here. We'll take your money and go away. But the changes that we don't see day to day because we're busy with our lives. General Motors in Detroit is taking one of its big plants that had been shuttered and they're turning it into a plant that makes the new electric Hummer. Now think about the irony of that. The Hummer was the poster child for the biggest gas guzzler vehicle there was and now uh, the Hummer is going to be all electric starting in 22. It'll be actually be available in late 21. And then at this same plant in Detroit, GM is going to be making an autonomous vehicle that from the ground up, from their uh, cruise subsidiary, it's going to be made to operate completely without a driver. And this is the way this stuff is going to play. And I think about how you know, uh, none of my kids know how to drive a stick shift car and how few people do now and how few people buy one. And it was hard to imagine that when almost every vehicle on the road was overwhelmingly uh, manual transmission, many times a shifter on the steering wheel column, not a stick shift kind of thing. And now it's almost impossible to find a stick shift car. We're going to have the same thing happen with our vehicle fleet in the United States and worldwide, where it's going to go electrified and autonomous. And it's going to be a lot quicker than you realize. It's time for your questions you posted for me at Clark.com ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate, and I think it's Joel's turn. Yeah, that's right, Clark. And Jim in Florida says, I am 54 years old, and I have $1.2 million in my 401k. Congratulations. If, pretty pretty good, right? That's so, great. He says, if I add my other accounts, I have a net worth of about $1.5 As Clark says, though, happy wife, happy life. My wife wants me to retire early, but I want to keep working to build up to $2.5 million. I'm mostly cheap like you. Uh, my current vehicle has 225,000 miles on it, and the previous one had 380,000 before I sold it with less than $10,000 in debt, and I own my own house. So should I just go ahead and pull the ripcord and retire? Well, if you follow the 4% rule, which is a back-of-the-envelope kind of strategy where you don't worry about running out of money over your retirement years, whatever age you retire, that $1.5 million would generate you an income of about $5,000 a month. Still, the base would be able to deal with inflation, and you would not have to worry. You'd have a minuscule chance of running out of money in your natural lifetime. 
So if that uh, 1.2 plus the other money, the 1.5 total, is enough if to generate this 60000 a year, and 60000 a year is enough for the lifestyle you're used to living, then I guess your wife is right, and you can bag work and not worry about hitting a higher threshold. On the other hand, if the $2.5 million seems more realistic to you, that would generate about $100,000 a year in income for you to live on. If that gives you more breathing room based on your lifestyle, then uh, somewhere towards that or maybe somewhere between where you are and where you'd like to get to is the right moment for you to bag work. And the 4% rule I want to point out is not a hard and fast rule. It's a math formula that has been found over the decades to be a very good representation of what percent of the money you have you can withdraw from your investments each year and still not worry that you're going to outlive your funds. Kim? Melissa in Georgia says, I think I'm getting ripped off by a major hotel website and I'm seeking some guidance. I booked a prepaid hotel back in December of 2019 for international travel that was to take place in March 2020. I was unable to take the trip due to COVID travel bans. The website issued me a one-year voucher, but has been unwilling to refund my $1,400. You heard me. Um, Or extend the stay or the length of time for her voucher. So her voucher is going to be expiring soon. Here we are almost a year later, and the UK has announced, announced another national lockdown. It's highly unlikely that I'll be able to take this trip anytime soon, and I've tried everything I can to recover my $1,400. The credit card company is unable to help since there's been so much time that's passed, and the hotel website, I've tried to escalate to the executive level with no resolution. Clark, am I powerless against this huge corporation? You are not. Um, One thing, is there any information about whether this is a U.S.-based hotel chain or foreign hotel chain? There is no mention of the name of the hotel chain, only the name of the website, booking website. So it was a third-party booking website? Correct. That's where the biggest problems have been. I mean, if we go all the way back to March, when we started taking uh, March, April, May, we took a huge number of questions from people about uh, problems involved with prepaid bookings and the problems overwhelmingly have been with third-party booking sites for any form of travel that they have failed their customers completely through coronavirus so what i would do is you don't have normal leverage so get active on social media Don't tell your story like you're writing a long novel, but just on social media, keep posting on every form of social media you can think of about what's happened to you and how this booking site has let you down. In addition, file a complaint at BBB.org with the Better Business Bureau and see if you have any leverage through what's known as an escalated complaint that goes to a different level of these organizations through the Better Business Bureau ability to contact them. And I don't know 
if at this point the reputations are so trashed of so many of these third-party travel booking sites, I don't know if they're responding to public pressure through social media. I don't know if they're responding through the Better Business Bureau. But you got $1,400 on the line, and I can tell you're frustrated and weary. Please, get some energy to try these two strategies, and then I'd love to hear back if you're able to get success from either of these methods to get an extension of your time to use this money or a refund of your $1,400. Joel? Clark Todd in California says, our daughter is a second year teacher in California. I hear you talk about 403B plans as being questionable investment vehicles. She currently invests in an S&P 500 index account within her 403B plan. It has an expense ratio of about half a percent. Well, this is higher than your uh, favorite. Half a percent for an S&P 500 fund? Yeah. So he says, well, uh, this is higher than what you typically recommend. It still seems okay. Can you give us your thoughts and what we should be looking out for? That is actually an outrageous level of fees. That is highway robbery charging, oh my goodness, um, (laughs) a half? I'm horrified that it would be that much money. Uh, Typically, in a 500 index fund, for people who are not aware, that's what invests in the 500 largest publicly traded stocks in the country. And uh, a low-cost version of a 500 index fund would charge four one-hundredths of a percent, not uh, half of a percent. So to charge... That kind of fee means that she's paying way beyond what would be normal, uh, outrageous amount. What I would like, if there's some kind of match on the 403B, participate through it, or only beyond the $6,000 a year she can put in her own Roth IRA, where she can go with ultra-low costs for her retirement instead of the high costs in a 403B. I mean, it's it's so terrible that these 403B plans charge such outrageous amounts of your hard-earned money for your investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jen joins us on the Clark Howard Show. And Jen, you're facing issues so many of us are with aging parents. How may I be of service to you? Hello there, Clark. Um, So my mom is 74. She retired about a year ago. Um, over the past two years, I've noticed shady um, behavior by her. 
texting people, which isn't normal for her, um, discovered that she had given away roughly $253,000 to someone that had promised her a $300,000 government grant. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. That is literally all her 401k. Oh, no. Um, Yep. And now she is surviving off her Social Security and two smaller pension checks. And have the police uh, been informed and involved at all? Is there any are there any leads they can go after the scamster, or is this just over? Is the money just she gone? Is, yeah, she is of sound mind and body, and they can do nothing because she gave her money away under no coercion. I am just so sorry. <laughs> I um, so you're dealing with someone who is apparently of sound mind, but that doesn't sound like somebody who's got it completely together there. Correct. Have you ever ever heard anybody talk about elder lawyers, lawyers that specialize in elder law? No. It's a specialty area of the law that's actually a growing one because of an aging population. And uh, the stakes were so high in this that... Um, I would, for one thing, I would go see an elder law attorney because the blow-off you got from the police may not be accurate. In addition, um, does your mom own her own home or anything like that? Yes, she does own a home, and I have taken half of it, um, utilizing a quick claim deed. All right. I want you definitely then, um, before you do any other moves, to go find an elder law attorney. There's a there's a trade association for elder law attorneys that I'm looking for right now for you. And uh, I know it's going to cost some clock time, but we're talking about pennies versus the dollars that have already been taken from her. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this is something that requires immediate action on your part to protect whatever else she has and protect her rights going forward. So there's the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, N-A-E-L-A dot org. Okay. And you are going to learn so much about the best ways to protect your mom going forward and, by the way, to protect yourself. Because what you don't know is there could be other things that have gone on or could go on that you need to be protected from also since you now are half owner of that home. And that is the highest priority I have for you is for you to get an elder law attorney and meet with him or her and take uh, be as prepared as possible because, you know, it's not cheap. The meter's running when you're meeting with a lawyer. Be as prepared as you can be. Uh, when you go into that with all the particulars of your mom's situation so that she can be protected and you can be protected going forward. And best to you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.